Welcome to the Make It Real podcast. Yes, you can grow your business without selling your soul. And it helps to listen to these real conversations with real people, thought provokers and generous tactic sharers. Enjoy. Right, listeners, um, I'm a little bit starstruck, I can't deny it. Every now and then I get to interview somebody whose books I've got on my bookshelf and have had for some time, and uh, this is one of those occasions. So um, I am going to introduce you to, and I've just been told how to pronounce this name properly, <laughs> to Margie, Margie Worrell, who is uh, speaking to us from Singapore, but has been around the world, left, right and centre, originally from Australia. Um, I've got two of her books, but she's actually written five. So she's a best-selling author. She's a fabulous speaker. And um, she's going to fill us in on, well, let's just say the title of her latest book is You've Got This, The Life-Changing Power of Trusting Yourself. So if you don't think that's going to be of use to you listeners, well, fine, <laughs> drift off. But, you know, hey. Um, in fact, on Twitter, Margie introduces herself. I, I love the way you do this, Margie, because you also bring in the very personal human stuff. Working for a better, braver world, author of five books, mother of four great kids, global speaker, intrepid traveler and lifelong learner with PhD in progress. Brilliant. Does that, does that do the job, Margie? That'll do it just <laughs> fine. <laughs> so good to have you. So good to have you. I mean... Um, I'm going to be very disciplined because I've disciplined with time and the fact that I know that I could talk about 3,000 things because I feel very aligned with, with your work. Um, but my gosh, let's, let's dig in. Okay, so without, I just need to start off with something personal though. You have actually climbed to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. That is absolutely right. Yes, a few years ago. And may I say, it was extremely difficult. <laughs> Maybe I just didn't train enough, but I'm telling you, it stretched me well past what I would have said was my limit. <laughs> and, you, and you went with your, your four kids who at the time were teenagers. Yeah, all four of them were teenagers then, yes, and, uh, and my husband, and we thought it was a great way to mark one of my husband's a, a special birthday that ended with a zero, and we thought, let's do this, wouldn't that be cool? And actually, one of my kids, Ben, thought it was a great idea and got us all revved up for it, and we really <laughs> didn't train enough, and we weren't that prepared, but we set off thinking, yeah, it sounds like a great idea, but I'm very happy to say we actually all made it to the top. Just, but we did. <laughs> just, I like the just. Oh, I mean, that, that would be a whole conversation in itself because I've, I've never been to Africa, let alone climbed a mountain like that. So, I mean, what an adventure. But you, the thing is that you've had a lot of adventures because like I um, said in, in that short introduction, you, you've gone from a sort of quite a, a, a rural place in Australia and kind of then spread your wings and... Um, I been everywhere. I mean, I, I, am I right? Yeah, I, have, I, have, I think everywhere is definitely <laughs> stretching it. I have not been everywhere. But, um, you know, I remember when I was just after I finished university in Australia and I set off for a year backpacking around the world. And I, I grew up in a rural part of Australia. I didn't have a passport till I was 20. And so I never really travelled very far at all, hardly out of my home state. 
And I remember getting to England and, uh, and of course, you know, I never really even used the term Antipodeans and, and you Brits kept saying, oh, you Antipodeans, you know, where you sent all your, you know, the unwanted. And, um, but it really wet my appetite that year backpacking around and, and I went back to Australia and eventually I got a job and started a proper career and what have you. But I think I just it wet my appetite to experience the world. And so, yeah, I've spent much of the last 25 years living and working around the world. And, uh, and, and then when my kids got old enough to, to, to travel with me and I didn't have to push prams and change nappies, et cetera, I was so happy to say, well, let's, let's us go as a family off and do some cool adventures. And I, I love them experiencing one star travel and it just, the whole world isn't a resort and you know, this is how the rest of the world lives. And um, so, yes, I, I have, I've, I hopefully am handing down my adventurous spirit to the, my children. Your adventurous spirit, which brings us beautifully to a very central word of, um, well, okay, so I'm, I'm just reading, uh, well, I've more or less read your latest book, which is called You've Got This. I already had Stop Playing Safe um, on my shelf. So if you put those together, listeners, you've got, you know, Stop Playing Safe, You've Got This. That's quite a good starting <laughs> place. Um, and, and, you know, courage, that's the word. So we, we're talking about your intrepid adventures. I mean, that, there's a lot of courage involved there. Can, can we just explore, because this actually, I think it's really interesting. You know, this word confidence, which gets thrown around all over the shop. Okay, mm -hmm. so what's, g give us the difference between courage and confidence. And does one come first or is it a chicken and egg situation? Or, you know, mm. so... Because people sort of tend to say, I mean, I'm an actor, uh, so, you know, there's this whole thing of, you know, fake it till you make it kind of comes in. Sometimes people say, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But this confidence thing isn't a magic thing, is it, that you just... Yeah, I believe that. I believe that actually courage trumps and precedes confidence and kicks it out, you know, out the window. Because confidence is the belief in our ability to succeed at something, at a given task. And so some people may be raised in an environment where they absolutely think they're brilliant and they can do anything they want. And actually even gender comes into play here because we know actually there's a gender confidence gap too. So confidence is, depends on our belief. Can I do this or not? Courage actually doesn't require us to believe that we can. It is the leap of faith that gives us permission to try. And so, as I wrote in You've Got This, chapter one, don't wait for confidence. And if I had waited for confidence till I knew I could do pretty much any of the worthwhile things I've ever done, any of them, like write a, write a book's a really good example um, that was worthy of reading, I probably would never have written it. And my first book, which is actually called Find Your Courage, was me just taking a leap of faith over a massive chasm of self-doubt and a lack of confidence and going, I'm going to dare to try. And I, and I think of that in so many realms over the years for me with my work, my, my second career, which has been obviously in, in the whole personal and professional development arena. It's a pretty big arena. Um, but writing, you know, I grew up in a, I, there was 13 kids in my elementary school. I was the only kid in my grade the entire time with one teacher. So when it came to learning um, 
we, I never studied Shakespeare. You know, we didn't learn literature and I, I didn't, all the lessons on, you know, how you write, I, I, I just missed those. I just, my education, it, it frankly was pretty substandard. So it wasn't that I thought I was some brilliant wordsmith. I was no joke. I had no confidence in my ability to deliver anything that was JK Rowling like, but it was more, I just felt called to write down my thoughts about how we can live bigger, braver lives. And I've, and obviously all my books, that's the thread that runs through all of them, but sort of catering for different people in different phases and stages. Um, so to your question, I, I would say to anyone who thinks, oh, I wish I had more confidence, I would just say what I wrote in chapter one, do not wait for confidence and act as if you had the confidence. Act as if you were the person who was fully self-assured. What would that person do? They would go up and introduce themselves to someone. They would sign up for a networking event, even though they didn't know if they would know anyone. They would invite someone out for coffee. They would ask for the pay rise. They would launch the business. They would, you know, yeah. post the blog, start the podcast. I mean, you name the it. Video. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And and I would never I would have never take I would, you know wouldn't have stepped up onto a stage ever um, if I if I'd waited for confidence that would have been hideous I would never have happened so I I love I love this way of looking at it and it's not I think that expression fake it till you make it again it's one of those that's been overused and so it, it tends to sound very insincere and you know all the rest of it and of course we're all wanting to be ourselves and you know the other word that gets how do you feel about such thing margie this word authentic because you use it i use it and every now and then frequently actually people say oh well that, I, I hate that word authentic what's going on there it's it's a uh, word look i think any word that gets used and overused becomes a buzzword it's like it's like uh, mindfulness or practicing mindfulness or or the or the term namaste um, and I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Actually, the truth of what the word means, whether it's namaste or authentic, is beautiful, you know. The, but because it gets co-opted by, I guess, you know, the whole highly evolved um, people who sometimes aren't very evolved, we kind of go, oh, it's like the word self-help or motivational speaker. It's like, oh, my God, are you, you know, people say you're a motivational speaker and I, or a life coach and I don't like it because it's like I feel like the words have been co-opted and now don't have a great connotation. But authenticity, to get back to your question there, um, yeah, I think I, I, I have a huge commitment to being authentic in how I live my life and how I show up. And I'm sure I fall short a lot because let's face it, we all like to look good and our pride and ego can sometimes take over. And so we, we put on a mask and we don't always be fully ourselves. Um, but, I, but that doesn't mean that it's not a noble aspiration to, to be ourselves. But, but, but don't be fully yourself because sometimes me being fully myself might be actually being a complete bitch. And speak. <laughs> so that may be like, there's the small part of me that will go, well, that's what it feels like. I'm like, you know what? I'm actually not going to put that part out into the world. Oh, I love that. No, Margie, that is, that is spot on. There are moments where we can't be the same person we are slobbing on the sofa of an evening um, when we're in a, a networking event or whatever. But so it's that kind of conscious. It's, as long as it's coming from you and not something that you are having forced upon you, if that makes sense. Well, you know, when I think of authenticity um, and what is not authentic, I mean, I'm sure you know, have met plenty of pretentious people. Yep. 
I have met plenty of pretentious people. I often laugh. People say, oh, you Australians are also down to earth. And I'm like, no, there's a lot of really pretentious Australians, I can assure you. <laughs> um, and I, I met a lot when I moved from the country as a kind of a rough around the edges farm girl to the city and people spoke like that they were the part of the royal family. And I'm like, why do you speak like that? You know, you're not even British, you know, but it's like, oh yes, how are you? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Now, now that is authentic for some people, but, 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 but I think it's when we're putting on, we're posturing and we're trying to be something. I'm trying to prove to you how sophisticated I am or how clever I am or how brilliant I am or how successful I am or how connected I am. When I'm, when I'm operating from a place of I'm trying to prove something, I'm trying to impress upon you something, it actually can, we, you know, often we're then wearing a mask that keeps us from actually just showing up with what's really going on for us that, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not all sure of myself. Um, and so it's that trying, that trying that actually yes. gets in the way of us yeah. trying to be authentic. Yeah, and, you're right. The minute you feel that you're pushing something, you, you have to stop and stand back and question, hang on, what's going on here? Because that's, that's not very natural. And I'm just reading one of the sort of subheadings in your book, um, because this, this is a kind of um, related thing. So we've got the mask wearing, which you just talked about, which mm -hmm. is a big subject we could delve into, you know, but let's just put that one out there. Um, and I love the way that you've got a chapter in this book called Dear Men, as well as Dear Women, because I think that's, uh, ah, yeah, love that. So masks, and we all wear them in different ways. But then, and you use the word pretentious and all those sort of things. But then you've got the other one, which is comfort zone, um, mm -hmm. which is, and, and you've got here, growth and comfort can't ride the same horse which is a beautiful um, way of putting it so so we could take our mask off um but now we might go running back into our comfort zone and yeah, the, yeah. and this circles back to actually where we started the conversation with confidence and courage and you actually build confidence by acting as though you've got it even when you don't so for instance the first time i got up onto a stage to speak i was really nervous i wasn't that confident um, and you know, my, I was, I'm sure I wasn't even that good, but I did it. And I, I know the next time I would have been a little bit better and the next time a little bit better. And over time, and I've, I've spoken obviously a lot now over the last 20 years, you build your confidence because you actually get a lot better and you go, you know, I did the very thing I was scared to do. And the more you do it, the more you go, well, it's actually not that scary. I mean, it's, or they're just people. Um, and and so you build confidence. So I am now a much more confident speaker. I'm a much more confident writer. I'm much more confident doing television. I'm much, because I've done so much of it, but I didn't start out confident. It was by being brave and getting out of my comfort zone. And so to your point, we have to embrace discomfort as a prerequisite for our own growth, our own learning, and for building the confidence, the courage that we need to really thrive in our lives. And if we're unwilling to get to, to leave our comfort zone, the thing is what we often don't realize is comfort doesn't stay comfortable forever. And if all you do is what's comfortable, over time your comfort zone, zone actually shrinks and you lose confidence and you actually become less secure. So people who haven't left their, their comfort zone for years, sometimes decades, can arrive in their 40s and their 50s and 60s and find themselves, if something happens, 
terrified because they've actually not built up their courage muscles because they have been living so comfortably, maybe living a life of immaculate mediocrity, um, but looking very good and doing only that which allowed them to look good. And then they find themselves really terrified. So hence why I, I think it's, it's not just every now and again, I think we should continually be stepping outside our comfort zone in different realms of our lives. Absolutely, which is why I, Margie, am currently writing a book. <laughs> Good on you, <laughs> well done. The comfort zone. Um, it's why I set up a coaching business four years ago. I, w I was a happy actor, speaker, you know, entertaining people all over the place. Lovely, 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 lovely. And then I thought, no, do this thing that you've always thought you'd couldn't do because it's evil because it's business and you know all that all that stuff that I've got going on in my head so so yeah I couldn't agree with you more comfort doesn't stay comfortable forever what a great way of putting it and you talk about um fear obviously and that comes into just about every single aspect of life so that that's a whole book in itself um you talk about trusting yourself and uh, trusting your wings, which I think is a lovely way of putting it, because you do have to make these leaps of faith. So you need these wings. Now, part of that, and this, when I was reading your book, this came to me um, because because the Bette Midler song is so um, is so embedded in our brains. Beneath my wings, you are the wind beneath my wings. You talk about the need to have good supportive connections around you, which is basically you've got to trust your wings, but then you've also got to have these nice, this wind beneath your wings, your connections. It's important, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we are shaped by our environment. We, 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 we shape our tribe and our tribe shapes us. And the people, uh, I'm sure you've heard the saying, you know, you are the, the sum of the, the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And I don't know that there's any uh, statistical proof about that. However, I would say the people that you engage in conversations with on a regular basis impact how you see yourself, how you see the world, how you see what's possible for you, for better or for worse. And so if you're the biggest thinking person in your social network, then you're actually not going to be thinking big enough about what you could be doing because the people around you might be going, oh, that's awfully scary, or gee, you must be worried about that, or how could you do that, or gee, I'd be terrified, versus having people going, hey, that's awesome. I mean, and what about you doing this as well, or how could you tweak that, or totally. And so um, I found actually, I, I, I obviously grew up in Australia, but then I moved to the United States and lived there for uh, 11 years, and I'm moving back there next month. And, um, and I found the cultural environment of the US was far more empowering and emboldening than the one I'd come from in Australia. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the tall poppy syndrome, but there was a lot more people going, you want to do that? Like it was sort of, don't be seen to be up yourself or too ambitious or too sure of yourself. Whereas I found in the US when I'd share an aspiration, people would go, oh, that's awesome. You know, like, well, how can I help you? And I, I found it actually a, an environment that actually encouraged that bigger thinking and so I do think wherever you live in the world though be careful of who you're hanging out with and be intentional in surrounding yourself with people who do encourage you to think bigger and when you've got doubts who call you out on your doubts and go you totally can do that you could totally whatever it is that you think you want to do um, 
And I think, you know, sometimes we can get caught, trapped actually, in what I call habit friendships. We've known them since high school or from whatever. We've just known them a long time and they're comfortable friends. They've known us, but we know the backstory. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having those friendships, but sometimes those people can actually hold us back. And in order to move forward, we have to sometimes cut ties or minimise how much time we spend with some people so we can invest more with those who are really more reflective of where we want to go in our lives. I like that. I, I, and actually, I had a very personal experience um, that illustrates that very well, which I won't go into. Um, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We grow, we grow, we evolve all the time, you know. So, so why would you, um, you know, uh, necessarily be hanging out with the same people? As you say, nothing wrong having them there, but yeah. Mm, that's very that's very powerful stuff and, so, and sometimes you're related to them too of course Trish. yeah <laughs> yes well yes that's that's a whole other story um, <laughs> talking about stories i know you don't have to share this margie and i forgot to ask you before i press record so you just say no trisha actually i don't want to share that story and that'll be fine um but it really speaks to this being human um, again, way out of comfort zone areas, kind of literally in your case, because you were in a hotel corridor um, and, um, and then sharing these vulnerable moments where things go wrong. I know you said something rude, but let's just say wrong. Um, and making, actually learning from them and making something great from them because you shared it in a, in a yeah. Look, I won't go into all of the details, which are obviously in the book. Um, right, there's a plug. Buy the book if you want book. all the details. Yeah, but absolutely. basically, I found myself on the executive floor of a hotel um, in my underpants and uh, white T-shirt, no bra, and locked out of my room. And the only people walking past were the executives of the company and I was given the opening keynote speech the next morning at the conference. And I just arrived in the city. And anyway, how, how I came to be there is a story that I won't go into yes. now. But I just remember just wanting to just dig a hole and bury myself in it because I couldn't get to reception because I couldn't get a car to get... Like the whole thing was I was just stuck there and feeling extremely exposed and uh, ultimately i eventually someone did come and rescue me but i was not that took a lot longer than i had hoped um and then i was do i share this tomorrow morning because like the people have been walking past me thinking actually i found out afterwards i'm thinking i was a drug addict thinking oh, who's this woman standing there who is she and i decided i would just get up on stage the next morning and start with that story and just like you know totally throw myself under the bus and the funny, the funny thing was, is that the guy who rescued me with a robe, um, he was in the audience and he thought I was someone who was, he thought I was stoned or something. I don't know. But anyway, it was a very funny story. It came full circle. I was able to return his robe to him. And so many people related to it because yes, you've been stuck in an extremely embarrassing situation or you're terrified that you will be one day stuck outside your hotel room without clothes on. And... Um, and, and I, I was glad I just fell on my sword, as embarrassing as it was, because it was, I was sort of supposed to be the very important person that's supposed to look like they've got their bloody shit together, <laughs> and I clearly didn't. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have walked outside my hotel room and not bought my card and got locked out. Anyway, 
But, um, but look how yeah. human that made you. Look how human uh, everyone yeah. in that audience just kind of got it because one way or another, we've been what what it might not be that story, but we've been in something similar. Yeah. You know? And but I here's here's and I and I obviously wrote about this and you've got this on a slightly more serious note. Yeah. Is as humans, none of us have arrived. We're all figuring it out. And some of us have different areas of our life. It takes longer to figure out than others. So when we share our struggles and we share our setbacks and when we share our vulnerability, and in that case, it was just me landing in a really, by doing something silly, landing in an embarrassing situation. But we connect more deeply to other humans that way than saying, oh, aren't I brilliant? Aren't I perfect? Don't I look perfect? Don't I think perfectly? Uh, Isn't my life perfect? And so we relate to people's flaws and fallibility. We relate to someone who's, I don't know, whether they've put on weight or they've, you know, had a relationship breakup or they've done something and then they like that's they've got some shame around it because all of us have done that. And so I I think it's it's not about continually just sharing every little thing that you've got. Or it, it's that's actually that's that's not what I'm talking about. But it is about just just showing up and being real. Um, and we're all figuring it out. And I actually, earlier this year, after I wrote, you've got, literally the week that You've Got This was coming out, I was due. I was supposed to be flying to America late March to do a, a book tour for You've Got This. And, of course, the whole world got cancelled and everyone was sent inside. And my husband uh, landed back from America with COVID and ended up in hospital and quarantined for a month and what have you. So I found myself... Instead of going off giving talks about this book, how you've got this, I was literally sitting there looking at the cover going, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And I, and I got online, I decided, I wrote in my journal, I literally did everything I wrote about in the book. I sat down and I breathed into every bit of raw emotion I was feeling. I wrote in my journal. In the end, I, I got on to the Facebook Live and just said, you know, my husband's gone into hospital, he's got COVID, he's, they're worried about a lung infection. It was was pretty stressful few days. He's, and I will just cut to the chase here, he's made a full, a complete and full recovery. So he is really, really, really well. Um, but I share that because people, a lot of people, and there still is massive fear factor around COVID and despite just sharing my journey and that was a whole 30 days until he arrived home. Um, and it was, I felt pretty exposed and raw and I didn't have it all together all the time. But just by sharing the rawness of my own journey, I know it was really helpful to others, yeah. um, which helped me and helping them and helped me. And as it becomes this you know, self-reinforcing loop, you know, when we show up and be real and share what we're going, other people share, and then we just cheer each other on. And I found myself in this much bigger online, even through Facebook with people that didn't necessarily know very well, just massively supported. And it really lifted me up. Um, yeah. And so... Um, wow, what, what a yeah. story. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and to be coinciding with, you know, oh, book, the irony, the irony. But literally, the, there was no irony lost that I literally, the week I was launching, you've got this. I had to read the title about 50 times a day. You've got this. <laughs> it's extraordinary. I'm very glad everybody's fit and healthy. And um, so let's, let's just, I mean, obviously, I'm going to put links to every one of your five books in the show notes and everywhere where I share this, but you know, um, this latest one, you've got this, um, I, I mean, uh, 
what can I say? Um, I would not have asked you to be a guest on my podcast had I not used courage. There we go. There's yeah. a there's a spot on um, example because. Yes, I'm writing it. Now, my husband said to me before I came on this interview, because I said, oh, I'm a bit nervous. I mean, I do weekly interviews with fabulous people all over the place. But I don't know, something about you. And, uh, and he said, hang on, Trisha. He said, right, fast forward a year from now, your book's out, you've done your TEDx talk, which I'm doing next year as well. He said, and somebody's asking you to be on the podcast. Are you going to think, oh, no, I'm I'm, I'm way too good to be on this podcast. Oh, you know, get, get my secretary to deal with it. No, you won't do that. And clearly, Margie's not like that. So relax, have a good conversation, which is exactly what we've just done. Exactly. And that is the life-changing power of trusting yourself right there. Love it. We brought that up really well. So, where I mean, for people to to continue having a kind of connection relationship with you, Margie, is the best place. Uh, social media or your website or just yeah look I am on social media so just look up my name Margie Worrell but I've also got my own Live Brave podcast Um, so I encourage people if if you're a podcast listener go I just look up Live Brave podcast or Live Brave with Margie Worrell Um, and of course you've got this and all my books are on yes are anywhere good books are sold online offline (laughs) but um, these days it's very much online so you can download and listen to the audio version or whatever Absolutely. I love to have an actual hard copy in my hands. Me too. I'm a bit old. I'm well, old fashioned. I just like a hard copy too. Yeah. yeah. And I admit, and I admit I've written in it as well, Margie. How about that? Yes, I know, but I love that. I like all my books. I've underlined and dog-eared and I don't know, it just makes them my own. So I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad. I feel feel good now. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to let you, so you're in Singapore. I've no idea what time of day it is over there now it's 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 5 30 in the afternoon okay so, and it's clearly so, hot um yeah. yes yes that's why i'm not dressed very heavily no, for those who do see well, to see video uk you're thinking oh those were the days summer oh, bring them back and we've all just been locked down again so anyway on that, on that cheerful note enjoy singapore enjoy your next uh, adventures and um, just been an absolute delight talking to you, Hockey, and we'll do it again sometime. Uh, my pleasure, Tricia. You take care and happy writing. Enjoy finishing your book. Yes! Take action. Try this one small step. I'm going to read you a bit from Margie's book, the one called You've Got This. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll waste your best years in a waiting room don't want you to do that. So I'm reading another little extract. I'd never have attempted my first book, Find Your Courage, much less this one, if I'd gone down the rabbit hole of comparing my literary prowess with that of Elizabeth Gilbert or my wisdom with that of Maya Angelou. So beware of comparing where you are now with someone who's been in the game a long time or comparing your current skill level with someone who's been practicing your craft for years, give yourself permission, as Anne Lamott wrote in Bird by Bird, which by the way is a brilliant book, to do a shitty first draft. Because only when you've created a really lousy first draft can you get to create a slightly less lousy second draft. And from there, eventually, move on 
to a half reasonable one. You've got to start somewhere, right here, right now, is as good a place as any. Thanks for listening to the Make It Real podcast. Now head over to iTunes and leave a review, rate it, chuck a few stars around and subscribe. Then go over to trishalewis.com for more resources. You could sign up to that really weekly email. It's useful. And connect with me on LinkedIn. I look forward to the next episode.